Hey, welcome church. Welcome to church tonight. Um, if it's your first time here, welcome. Um, if you're just visiting, welcome. If you were here last week, welcome. Uh, my name's Steve. I'm the pastor here. I haven't actually been here for uh, four Sundays. I've been on a bit of a holiday. Um, I was meant to come back with my wife and kids. I just left them. Just left him in Korea because uh, needed some alone time. Um, Mel and the kids are great. Um, <laughs> can I just tell you, if you don't believe in God, okay, and this isn't even my sermon, right? If you don't believe in miracles, right here, right, three and a half weeks in Korea and America, and I didn't put on any weight. That's dead set. That's like God is alive in this place. Like that's... Oh man, like it could have gone, it could have gone the other way. Noah, I was thinking about you the whole time, mate. Mate, this it could have gone bad, but uh, God protected me. <laughs> oh man, it's so good to be back. And uh, it said I've been away for four Sundays. I was in Adelaide for a week, and then I was in Korea, and then we were in LA, and then we went back to Korea, and. And my wife and the kids are still in Korea. They're back this week. And then next week's our anniversary service. And uh, I just want to make sure, like, please come. It's celebration like no other. It's, it's our birthday. It's our church birthday, fourth birthday. And um, we'd love to uh, host you. We're going to have a lot of guests next week. Um, and then, you know, amongst that, we're going to have some baby dedications as well. Uh, first baby dedications. Uh, my personal congrats to Hansel and Ness. Good job. Uh, congrats, you know, having uh, baby Nathaniel. I don't know what it is. The last three babies that we've had in our church, I've gone and seen them, you know, soon after they've had the baby. But, man, they, the mums just look like they could just have another kid straight away. Like, I only saw Ness and she looked fine. I saw Janice like two hours after she had her baby. She was like, fine. So I was like, I don't understand, because I was looking at Janice, and then she looked fine, and there's just a baby next to her, you know? And Jenny, she, she, they're all machines. It's like, I don't know how we breed them now. I'm just saying, I think God's uh, he's trying to grow our church really, really steadily. Uh, you know, being away for a month has been uh, great for our family, and I personally just want to say thank you to the church for supporting uh, the fact that uh, we could go away for a month. Uh, thanks to all the guys who looked after all the bits and pieces. I heard church was fun for a month, and it's always fun when the pastor's not there because everyone else gets to do whatever they want. So, um, But it's good to be back. So, um, Tonight, I wanted to share a word uh, from the Bible as we go to the Bible every week. And, and you know what? Like, I went to multiple churches and multiple services and met multiple pastors and leaders from different churches. And I thought to myself, because I only got back Friday morning, and you know, went, to work, went straight to work and then meetings and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, you know what, I, it's been a while since I've been at church and it's been a while since everyone's heard my voice. I haven't, hope you haven't missed it too much. Um, and I just thought, you know what, like, and something that I noticed around all these churches is you've got to make sure you're preaching and sharing the right message. You know, the right message is so important. You know, like we hear messages from the media and from TV and from, you know, educational institutions and from work. And we hear all these messages and we get all these voices every day of our lives. And, 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 and if anything, if, if nothing, the church, when you come to church, the message that you hear 
has to be the one from God. That's the one that we want to be hearing. The voice that we want to be listening to in our lives is the one from God. And so I, in my mind, I was like, okay, what do I want to preach on? Like, I'm, I'm still jet-lagged. I'm still tired. And I'm like, I, I just want to make sure I preach what I think is the most important message. And uh, some of you may have heard this message before, and that's okay. You'll hear it many, many more times. And uh, this comes from uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. If you have your Bibles... We go to the Bible every week because, trust me, you don't want to listen to my opinion. If you've ever been to L.A., and you're going to hear about L.A. for about six months, I reckon, there's a burger, there's a burger joint called In-N-Out. You know, it's a famous burger joint. Everyone tells me it's like a great burger joint and whatnot. And, you know, people, like, you know, people who love me, they go, don't. Don't expect too much because you'll get too disappointed. <laughs> so I was like, okay, okay. So I had like reasonable expectations of this burger joint. But I, I, I tell you, it blew my mind. And it wasn't because it was like the greatest burger in the world, but it was just fresh. It was just fresh. Okay? That's my LA story for today. Okay. <laughs> Everyone's like, where is he going with this? No, really, that's the point. LA In-N-Out burgers are fantastic. Okay, amen. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 to 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest we were, by nature, deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms of Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kingdom, in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. Why don't you turn to the, your neighbor and tell them, God made you well. God made you well. God made you well. Some of you even more weller than others. God made you well. Hallelujah. God. <laughs> okay, if you want to be honest. Okay, God. Yeah, God did make you. Okay. No, I, okay. <laughs> One of the things in America, there's a lot of things in America that I loved. Food, uh, family, friends, um, so many great things that, that are experienced in this trip and, and uh, we were truly blessed. Um, America was fun because it was our 10-year uh, wedding anniversary celebration. So we didn't take our kids. And yeah, you can judge me being negligent parents and whatnot, but I love my wife, you know, immensely. And so we just left our kids in Korea. And we flew to America without kids. Now, anyone, anyone with kids will know that anything 
like once you have kids, doing something without the kids is so easy. Like it's just so much more enjoyable. Like flying, I hate flying. But flying without kids was like, wow, this is really fun. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you, know? you know, like we were going to restaurants and in our minds, and, and we joke, we're like, man, can you imagine bringing the kids here? <laughs> you know, it's just fun. Everything's more fun. And I think that's what made America that much more fun because we didn't have the kids. And, you know, don't hear me. It's not like I don't love my kids. I do love my kids. That's why they're in Korea and I'm here. <laughs> but one of the things that I didn't like in America, and, 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 you know, please forgive me to my North American friends, but one of the things that I didn't like and confused us throughout our whole time in America was this idea of tipping. I don't know if you've ever gone to America, or there's only a few places in this world where they do tipping, right? And we're not talking about like NRL tipping, because that's, that's easy. Um, it's, it's, it's this thing in the service industry. It's only in the service industry, okay? And you go to a restaurant, and the meal says $10, okay? But this is the crazy part about America they don't have the tax included to start off with. So it's not only $10, but it's $10 plus tax, and you don't even know how much the tax is. They just do, 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 and it comes out. And then on top of that, the waiter or the waitress or whoever served you, you have to give them more money. You have to tip them. And if, if you're from a country that's tipping, then it's just normal. Like my American friends, like they just calculate it. But you know what? It's not tipping like, you know, 10%. It's 15 to 20%. So if I pay a $10 meal, not only am I paying tax on top of that, which is about 10%, I'm having to pay another 15 to 20%. So it's actually a $13 meal, right? And the whole time, we're getting so stressed because there was one time where Mel and I, we just went out. And, you know, when we're with our friends, they tell us, hey, you have to tip this much. But where they're trying to calculate oh, man, the meal was like you know, $50, and then we have to pay tax, and then what's, what's 15% on $55? And, you know, like, let's be honest, and I, I can be honest because Mel's not here, but Mel isn't a mathematician, okay? Math was not her strength in high school, okay? My favorite subject in high school was lunch. So, you know, we're, we're struggling, right? And so what we, our friends gave us was this, a tipping table, legit. It tells you how much to tip, okay? This was amazing. But what I found annoying was, why am I paying for more? Just tell me how much it costs, right? And so I, I did some research on why tipping exists. Why tipping exists in the service industry. Number one, because American wages are horrible. The minimum wage for America, so for example, just a normal waiter or waitress in a restaurant is getting, and, and I will say the term, is getting 19.95 Korean wages in Sydney. Okay, only some of you are going to get that. That's about $8 an hour. Okay, so these guys right now are only still only getting $8 an hour serving. You know the minimum wage in Sydney is $20 or something around there. So these waiters and waitresses actually make more money off these tips. It's crazy. And the reason why we tip is to actually increase the level of service that you receive. 
So the whole idea is if you get better service, you're meant to tip more. And if you get crappy service, well, you don't tip as much. That's why it's 15 or 20%. So if you've got good service, you tip 20%. If you've got horrible service, you only tip 15%. And that's just the way it is in America. You know, whether you're, you, you went into a hotel or whether you go into a restaurant, tipping culture is just the way it is. But you know what? I dislike tipping. I thought about it. Like, not only was it confusing and, like, all these American dollars and coins that just, it, that it all feels like Monopoly money anyway. They all look the same. It would be a bit more original, right? But then this idea that I actually have to reward or punish this person based on their performance. You know, and then I started thinking, right? Imagine... Imagine if God, in His might and sovereignty, acted like that towards us. Imagine with God that His love for us, or His provision for us, or His mercy towards us was based on performance. Imagine, right? That if you, you, we lived in this tipping economy, if God lived in this tipping economy where the way we lived our lives determined what God would give to us. And so if we lived well, we would get a higher tip. And if we didn't live well, then we would get nothing. Why I extremely dislike this idea of tipping is because I actually think that it's, ungodly. Because the character of God that we know is actually completely against the idea of performance-driven results. Our God is not a tipper. The world we live in, the society we live in, that's what we're growing up in. You know, the more you do, the more you get. You know, you get what you deserve. So, you perform better, and people like you more. You know, you work harder, you work your way up the the ladder, you're good. And that's the world that we live in. And and sometimes, I think, sometimes we, we get these ideas mixed up. And we start to see these ideas become infiltrating into our churches and start to think, maybe that's what God's like. You know, this passage that we read in Ephesians, definitely one of the, I think, one of the most significant passages in the Bible. It just gives us what we know as the gospel in 10 verses. Verses 1 to 3. Let me quickly read verses 1 to 3 again. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now, this presents, Paul, the writer of this, presents to us who we are. This is our current situation. The current situation of man because of sin. We were sinful beyond measure, beyond repair. We were 
dead in our sin. It's not that sin, you know what, sin doesn't make us bad people. And I think this is something that the world has mixed up. When we sin against God or when we disobey God or when we don't live the way that God intended for us to live and we live this sinful life, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. I know plenty of good, moral, non-Christians. They're sinful. And that doesn't necessarily mean they're bad. But what it means is that they're dead. They're spiritually dead. See, when we were born, because of sin, because of original sin, Adam and Eve, we were by nature dead in our sin. It's not we were born bad people. No, we were born spiritually dead people. And you know what? If that was the end of the story, then that's it. We will get what we deserve, which is eternal punishment. But, Verses 4 to 7 tell us that even though we were deserving of punishment and wrath and the anger of God, God gives to us life through His Son, Jesus Christ. Let me read verse 4 to 7. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Not only did God give us life, not only did he rescue us from sin and death, but he gives us life. And not only life, but he gives us life eternal. He raises us. He raises us up with Christ and gives to us the inheritance that is Due just for his own children. So not only did God go, okay, you're a sinful dead person. I'm just going to give you life and, you know, good luck to yourself. But he said, you're dead. I'm going to give you life and I'm going to give you a family. I'm going to give you a place of belonging. I'm going to give you a future. See, sometimes we, we underestimate what this whole thing is. God gave us a second chance. No, God didn't give you a second chance. God gave you your only chance and your only life. Not only does He give us life, but gives us an inheritance that only belongs to His children. Now, let me ask you, think about your life. Think about that way that you live your life. Think about how good it is in God's standards. Uh, when we went to camp a few months ago, already a few months ago, at camp we talked about sin and darkness, talked about the reality of sin and darkness, and that if we were honest with ourselves, honest in the way that we acted, honest in the way that we talked, honest in the way that we thought, and honest in the way that motivated the way we live our lives, the question of, Would they be acceptable to our pure and holy God? Would your life right now be acceptable to a sinless God? The answer is not just no, it's a hell no. That's from America. I didn't pick up an American accent either, by the way. My, my, My sister, my wife, however, I'm saying you don't say anything to her, but you'll hear it. She's confused. (laughs) 
The Bible tells us that regardless of who you and I are and what we've done in our lives, all have fallen short of the glory of God. All. All. If you're honest, you know that. If you're self-aware, you know that. If you know who God is and you know who you are, you know without a shadow of doubt, you fall way short of the glory of God. How dare we think that we can stand before Creator God and tell Him, hey, I'm okay. Hey, I live a moral life. Hey, I, I, think, I'm, I think I'm acceptable. Not a chance. And the problem with sin is, as I said, the problem with sin is God, the pure and holy God, cannot be in the presence of sin. And so, what should God give to us at the end of our lives if it was performance-based? What do we deserve? What do you think God should give you at the end of your life based on your life of living of holy and pure life? The answer is a smack in the head. But instead of death, instead of eternal damnation, instead of rejection, what do we receive? The Bible tells us we receive life. We receive life. How does it work? Verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It is by grace we have been saved through faith. There's the three words, three really big words in that sentence, right? Grace. To receive something that we didn't earn or deserve. That's grace, right? My kids teach me grace every day. Little punks. They deserve smacks. But what do they get? Love. That's grace. I remember Chris, he told me one day, he got busted and I, they were meant to eat ice cream and, and then he did something. And, uh, you know, he said, get in the car. So he gets in the car and Mel goes, so what, are you going to still give him ice cream? Because you can't give one kid ice cream and not the other kid ice cream. There's discrimination. <laughs> I believe in equality in this country. And so I go, and so I give Ben an ice cream. This is before Anna. Give Ben an ice cream. And I looked at Chris and I said, Chris, do you think you deserve this ice cream? And he goes, no. I said, why? He goes, because I was naughty. So okay. So I'm going to give you this ice cream. And I gave him the ice cream, and he's smiling. And he goes, Dad, do you know what that is? It's grace. And I was like, oh, 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 my God, I'm a pastor. Oh, you know, and I felt so like, oh, the Holy Spirit was just in that place at that time, you know. Oh, it was amazing. I think he would have been like maybe six or seven. He, he taught me grace. That's what it is. Grace is receiving something you didn't deserve. What you deserve is death. Based on your performance before holy God, what you deserve is you deserve not to be in his presence at all. But you receive life. What do we call that? Grace. Right? It is by grace we have been saved. Saved. The definition of saved. To rescue from danger and harm. What are we saved from? 
our sins, ourselves, and death. And then faith, complete trust or confidence in something or someone. Complete trust and confidence. We have been rescued from death, even though we didn't deserve to be rescued, and we believe that it is being done by the work of God. And the next part of verse 8, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. Can I tell you, God is not a tipper, God is a giver. You know, tipping is not giving. You know, when you tip someone for their performance or for their service, that's not giving to them. That's, that's rewarding them or punishing them based on what they've done. But giving, giving has no obligation. There's no obligation when we give, especially when we give gifts. When we give gifts, we give them freely without obligation, without wanting something back. Right, when you receive a gift, when someone gives you a gift and you pull out your wallet and you go, how much was that? That's not a gift. You know what that is? That's an exchange. That's a purchase. You know, that's the most insulting thing that you can do to someone who gives you a present. Someone gives you a present and goes, oh, thank you so much. How much was that? Let me, let, let me, let me get you for that. You know how insulting that is to the person that gave that to you? A gift can only be a gift if it is given freely and also received. And this is what we have from God, the gift of salvation, not the tip of salvation. The gift, the free gift of salvation. Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork. In the old NIV, it said craftsmanship. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We don't, hear me, hear me so clearly. We don't do good works to become God's handiwork. We don't do good things to become accepted by God. We are God's handiwork. Okay, we already are God's handiwork. And because we are already who we are, then we get to engage in the good works that God has already prepared for us to do. See, I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions that, that is in our society about our Christian faith. Is that we can do something to earn our salvation. We can do something to make up for the sinfulness in our lives. And the reality is we can't. God doesn't love us because of the way we live our lives. We are not acceptable to God because of what we have done for God in our lives. Trust me, if it was in that economy, if God was a performance-driven God, none of us would make it. Not even close. But God has already declared that we are His handiwork. And we are saved, even though we didn't deserve it, definitely didn't earn it. And we are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. So 
See, why we need to understand this idea that God is not a tipper, God is not a performance-driven God, but that He is a giver, a free giver of life. Why that is important is because the next question, who is God to you? The way that we view God, the way that we picture God in our own minds is so important. Because the way that we view God will determine the way that we approach God and we approach life. If we believe God to be this harsh taskmaster, performance-driven, then we will never experience freedom in our lives because we are always just trying to impress God. Look at this, God, I came to church today. Look at this, God, I gave more than 10% of my income. Look at this, God, I'm being charitable. There's no freedom in that. God didn't create us to be this mindless robots trying to achieve, achieve and uh, approval. You know, if you get stuck in that, then, then you're going to spend your whole life trying to achieve a certain level of goodness, which is not even achievable to start off with. Trying to achieve the love of God. But friends, when we believe, when we believe that God is not a tipper, but, but God is a giver. When we believe that God has created us as His handiwork to start off. When we believe that we don't need to prove ourselves or earn God's love and favor, suddenly our identity isn't found in the works that we do in our lives, but our identity is found in our Creator. When we believe that God created us despite our sin and failures, that He loved us so much, even when we were dead, even when we rejected him and rebelled against him, that he loved us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. When we believe this in our hearts and when we know that it is only by grace, only by grace that we have been saved, we are drawn to this God, not for approval, but out of love, gratitude, and relationship. God loves me, and I want to live my life loving Him. The Bible tells us that God loved us first. We did not love God first. We did not choose God first as much as we think that. You might be thinking, I chose to come to church today. I chose to sing these songs today. I'm sorry, God chose you first. You're not doing God a favor. God's already done you the favor. Good works don't define my identity, but my identity is I'm a child of God. And because I'm a child of God, I'm going to be a child of God. I'm going to speak like a child of God. I'm going to act like a child of God. Not because that's going to change or question my identity, but that's just who I am now. It's my being. He loves me no matter what because I am his child and he's my father. Let me ask you tonight, do you truly believe that you are God's handiwork? Do you truly believe that you were created for the good works that God has prepared in advance for you? Or are you still trying to engage in good works, trying to achieve the approval of God? There are three types of people in this world, and I'm pretty sure those three types of people are still represented in this room. Number one, and you're, gonna, you're all going to fit into one of these categories. 
The first category is this. You don't even know you need to be saved. You, you just, it just doesn't, it doesn't register in your mind. Like you, you're fine in the way that you live your life. You, the spiritual reality of, of this life and the, the life after is not a reality to you. For some of us in this world, and actually, if we were to count, you know, the billions of people in this world, billions of people in this world are spiritually blind because they have no idea. They have no idea. Literally for them, this life is what it is, from birth to death, and that's it. And my question is, come on, there's got to be more to life than just birth to death. They don't even know they're in trouble. They don't even know they're sinful. They don't even know the word sin. And maybe for some of us, even though we go to church and, and even though we've heard these concepts and, and, and ideas before, maybe for some of us, it's just not a reality. You don't need to be saved. You're like, God has saved me, but I don't need to be saved. I'm fine. And I'm asking you before a holy and, 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 and perfect God who only can receive holy and perfect sacrifices. How does your life add up to that? And I'm telling you, you might be the best person, the most moral person that, that, that you might think that you are. And I promise you, you fall, way for, you, you fall way short, way short of the goodness of God. For the majority of this world, they don't even know they need a God. Why do I need to be saved? What's the problem? Maybe, maybe for some of you, even right now, you're just in that place. And, and for, if you're in that place, I just want to ask you, what happens with your life? What's the point of your life? Why do you do what you do right now? Why do you study? Why do you work? Why do you engage in relationship? And for some of you, you need to ask those questions. The second group of people is this. They believe in God. They believe in a holy and almighty and perfect God. They also believe that they're sinful and that between God and them, there's a big gap. But what they try to do is they try to earn their way back to heaven, if you want to use that kind of imagery. And they try to do that by, by living a good life, a moral life, whatever that means to you. Look at me, God. Look how loving I am. Look how charitable I am. Look how patient I am. Look how merciful I am. I don't kill. I don't steal. You know, I haven't committed adultery. Look how good I am. And, and, and there is a group of people, and, and you know, I, I'm not going to even say it's just people outside the church. I actually, th I think <laughs> there's a very big number of people even inside the church that have not understood that the salvation that is received through Jesus Christ is free, and we're trying to pay for it. We're trying to pay our way to God. You know, for some of us, our sin is too much, and you don't understand how God could forgive your sin. For some of us, we've been involved in bad stuff, okay. And, 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 and you ask yourself the question, could God even forgive that? Could I still be accepted? I'm so dirty. I'm so wretched. I'm so black in my heart. Could God still love me? And what you try to do is you try to make yourself whiter. You try to make yourself holy. You try to make yourself more lovable and more, uh, you know, uh, approachable by God. You know what? Can I tell you, friends, if you're in that place, if you're in that place, that's prison. That's a prison cell. 
trying to live a life that number one is not achievable, but trying anyway. It's like me trying, I don't know, trying to become 50 kilograms. It's unachievable. Okay, it, 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 it's, a, it's a goal that is so far beyond my imagination. Like, my head weighs like 50 kilograms. Like, it is an impossible task. And yet, can you imagine you seeing me, right? Can you imagine seeing me every week? And I'm just running. I'm just exercising. I'm eating celery sticks. And, 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 and you're like, I'm trying to get to 50 kilograms. And you know how sad that would be? You would just look at me and go, man, that, oh, I just feel sorry for him. That's what it's like trying to earn, earn the favor of God. You're never going to get there because you can't. You can't. You cannot earn the favor of God. You cannot earn his salvation. But the third group is this. You know you're stuffed. You know you're sinful. You're, you, you actually know better than anyone else how dark and deep the uh, issues are in your life. You know before creator God, perfect, holy God, you have nothing. And before him, you, you, you can't even stand in his presence. And yet you believe the words of what Paul has said, that we are saved by grace. That Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive me of my sins to pay the penalty, but not only pay the penalty, but to give me life, a future, and life everlasting. And that this grace, this free gift of grace is a gift, and all we need to do is receive it. Friends, can I tell you, you will never earn, you will never earn your salvation doesn't matter what you do in your life. You will never get there. But salvation has been given to you freely. Not because of what you've done. And not because of what you're going to do in the future. But because of what Jesus has done for you. And the beauty of the gift of salvation that Jesus gives to us is that it's not that you can lose it when you suddenly do bad things. Jesus died for you on the cross knowing what you're going to do in the future and still continues to forgive and still continues to reach out his hand to you. Can I tell you, if I was to preach this sermon every week, every week, one, you'd probably leave because you'd just get bored. But can I tell you, there is no more important principle in our Christian faith, than this idea that we are saved by grace through faith. I pray today that we would spend a moment to reflect on our lives and ask ourselves, are we trying to earn God's favor? Are we trying to, no, okay, number one, do we even care? Do we even care about God? Do we even care about salvation? Do we even care about heaven and hell? Do we even care about you know, my relationship with God? Secondly, do, do, do you, do, are, you, are you trying to earn it? Are you trying to get there? Are you trying to get somewhere through your own strength? Or have you truly understood what grace is? You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. 
but it's a free gift to you. Friends, God is not a tipper, but God is a giver. A giver that does not require anything back, but but all he needs is for you to receive the gift. And I pray that today, if you haven't received the gift of salvation, I pray that today you would make that choice. I also pray that if maybe you are a Christian, but you find yourself still trying to earn God's approval, that you would stop and and realize once again that you don't need to. You're already God's handiwork. You're already beautiful in his eyes. Let's pray.